for Myths About Money and Investing with Work Your Money, Not Your Life author, Roger Ma. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money, but it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, friends. Hope everyone is healthy these days. Also wishing everyone the best financially. So much of what we've been counting on as true in the past has been flipped on its head in the past few months. It's hard to know what to believe when it comes to what to do with our money. So I was thrilled to get to interview Roger Ma. Roger is a CFP and runs an advisory business called Life Laid Out. He is also the author of a book that really reflects the values many of us are seeing during this, let's call it the season of our lives. It's called Work Your Money, Not Your Life. One topic he goes into in the book is money myths. And I asked him to expand on it for our financial grown-up community. In this interview, Roger shares four myths about money and investing, and even though I give him a bit of a hard time about some of them, I have to say he won me over. Enjoy the interview. Here is Roger Ma. Roger Ma, thank you so much for being here on Financial Grown-Up. Thank you so much for having me, Bobby. Congratulations on your new book, Work Your Money, Not Your Life, How to Balance Your Career and Personal Finances to Get What You Want. We're going to talk about the book in a moment, and we're also going to talk about four myths about money and investing. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, because you are a CFP. So that that's like number one gold star in my book. Yeah. So uh, originally grew up in Pittsburgh. I'm a recovering investment banker, and I run a financial planning firm called Life Laid Out, which uh, focuses on helping people mainly with hourly and flat fee planning for those mainly in late 20s to early 40s. So those going through some of the key transitions like getting engaged, married, or planning for a child. And what inspired you to write this book? Honestly, it was it was because of my own lack of knowledge and struggle with work and money for much of my 20s and early 30s. I, I struggled with these topics. And so the book I wrote was was really what I wish I had during that time. And I think a lot of people can agree. One of the things that you focus on is the myths about money and investing. And I have to tell you, a lot of these would have confused me as well. So you brought with you today four myths about money and investing. Let's get right into it. Number one, earning a high salary will make you financially secure. I I okay, we're gonna listen to why you think this is a myth. <laughs> I fought into this. I always feel like if I just made this much money more, I'm good. Yeah, I bought into this for so many years. As long as I do well in my career, keep getting promotions, and keep making more money, the personal finances will take care of itself. I don't really have to worry about it. But now I know better. I know that in the media, focusing on your finances and also being deliberate about your expenses might be an unpopular topic because you hear about, oh, you know, if you cut your latte, it's not necessarily going to help you build a stable financial life. But I think being deliberate about your expenses can be really powerful in that it helps you save quicker. It makes some of your financial goals actually cheaper. So saving for an emergency fund or saving for retirement, the rules of thumb are based on your months of living expenses, not on how much you make. 
and I think maybe most impactful on a day-to-day basis are the type of jobs that you can take. So if you have low living expenses, you have a lot of flexibility in the types of jobs that you can take because your living expenses are low. But if you spend everything that you have or everything that you make, you're pretty much locked into, into a certain job, lifestyle, and stress level. I could not agree more. Here's where I think it gets a little bit confusing. As I said a moment ago, I have always felt, oh, if I only had X dollars more, I could cover that one more thing that I want to do. It's not that that's not true, that you shouldn't earn more money. And it's not that you should just mindlessly cut because you cannot cut your way to financial security. It's more about what you said, being deliberate and actually really making a proactive decision about what you're spending your money on, not just cutting the latte. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that comes down to knowing what you want, knowing what you want for yourself. And I think that will help you prevent, it'll prevent you from, you know, trying to chase the the shiny new object, whether it's the career you think you should have or the financial goal you think you should set. If you know what you want, where you're starting from, you can start to think about those trade-offs as those decisions come about of, do I want to spend my money on X or do I want to spend my time on X? Because you've done the hard work, you'll be able to make that decision. And when you say deliberate, I think, you know, maybe you have some examples. So for one thing that happened when I started working from home, as we all started working from home, is that we had to really focus on what mattered in terms of achieving our getting through the business day. So we suddenly had five people working from home with the kids in school and my husband and I and my stepdaughter working. We had to spend more to make sure that our internet was strong. So we made a deliberate decision to really focus on spending more money on business tools to improve our careers and school. And maybe people can cut back on that, but but don't be so frivolous, I guess. And and maybe when we get back to working in real life, maybe you spend the money on you know the right work wardrobe so you look polished at work, so you present yourself in the best possible light, whatever, however that may be. So you don't want to be cutting corners in ways that will limit your earning or limit your options. You have to be really strategic about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's some stuff that's what I call low-hanging fruit that's really easy to cut. Like I give this example, I spent an hour a month ago and cut out $200 out of my monthly expenses from negotiating my Wi-Fi, downgrading my phone because I'm not using data right now, stopping funding my subway pass, and I put my YouTube TV subscription on pause. And it took me just an hour. I think those bigger things, particularly housing and where you live, Take a little more time to think about it. I'll give you an example. My my wife and I were talking last year about whether we should upgrade our apartment. We have a, a one-bedroom in Manhattan. And she said, oh, wait, I think we need a two-bedroom or three-bedroom. We, we're expecting a child. And we kind of started going through it. And I, I kind of put it in, in terms that she could understand. I said, okay, we can upgrade to a larger apartment, but then you'll be locked into your job. Uh, and you won't have that much job flexibility. So would you rather wait two minutes to go to the bathroom and have job flexibility? Or would you want rather have that extra bathroom? It makes so much sense. And I love that you also mentioned, especially as we're all still in this pandemic, and all of us, not all, but many of us are living with different circumstances. You mentioned that you cut off your subway pass. So smart. I mean, so many suburban people pay for like parking at a train station or whatever. When that pass comes up, if it's annually, if it's monthly right now, cut that. I, I'm so happy that I remember to cut 
that subscription. I cut a lot of subscriptions, possibly temporarily, but I did cut my Metro card. That's low hanging fruit. When you are home, if you have not yet done that, everyone go through and think about the things that you are not using during this time period and get rid of them. They'll take you back. All right, let's move on to number two. Renting is throwing your money down the drain. Okay, I believe this. I'm just going to stand up to you here. (laughs) I am a homeowner. I am encouraging my child to buy a home. I think that temporarily renting can make sense when you're in a life stage when you have to move. But in general, I don't like it. I like home ownership. <laughs> so we're going to have a little debate here. Okay, we can agree to disagree. I mean, I've, I've heard this myth so much. And so that's why a lot of times when clients come to me, the first thing they say is that, oh, you know, one of my, my goals is to buy an apartment and I'm a homeowner as well. And sometimes I wish that I was a renter because as a homeowner, you're responsible for fixing everything. And so on a weekend, after a, a long week of work, I'm looking up YouTube videos for how to like paint my bathroom ceiling or something like that. Like you said, I I don't think it's for everyone. And I think that an important consideration, especially I think in your early 20s or 30s is some people don't really know their career trajectory. If they're going to go back to graduate school, if they want to settle in a particular city or a part of a city. And so I tell people to ask three questions to figure out if it makes sense to buy a home. It's, can you buy? Should you buy? And do you want to buy? Can you buy deals with the financial aspects? You know, do you have the upfront and ongoing money to buy a home you want to live in? So 20% down, the monthly is 28% or less your gross income. Should you buy deals with the time horizon? So do you think you're going to stay there for at least five to seven years? And that's a benchmark that both real estate agents and financial planners use because there's high closing costs on the front end and the back end. Uh, when you're dealing with real estate. And that time horizon of five to seven years gives you a better chance, doesn't guarantee you, but it gives you a better chance to realize price appreciation to offset those, I like to call them frictional costs. And then do you want to buy? I think the question goes back to what kind of life do you want to live? And what financial goals do you need to make that a reality? And where does buying a home sit with some of those other financial goals? I remember a client, when we first started, they said, oh, I want to buy a home. But then later in our engagement, they said, well, actually, Roger, we want to move every couple of years because we like seeing different places. And so that didn't really fit with their initial goal of wanting to buy a home. So three questions, can you buy? Should you buy? Do you want to buy? Okay. Those are all fair. I just, (laughs) those are all very fair things. And I do think that renting gives you a lot of flexibility, but I do see people that are lifelong renters and sometimes they're renting at the upper end of what they can afford. So I think I'm just going to say, I give you those points, but if you are renting, please be mindful that you are not in something that is gaining any equity and you could be forced to leave if your situation, if the landlord situation changes, depending on what rent protections you may have, and just be aware of everything involved, and just know that you're not building equity there, so make sure you're making up for that in terms of other investments. Which brings us to number three, which is that investing is the most important aspect of personal finance. And tell us why. Why is that a myth? Yeah, I mean, I think that people they not only think that it's the most interesting part, but it, they do think it's the most important part. And why not? Because there's a lot of cable television shows focused on the daily stock movements. I think especially when you're beginning to put together your personal financial situation and starting to invest, building good saving habits can be much more impactful than investing. You know, if you save an extra thousand dollars, that's going to make a larger 
impact on your financial situation than earning a 20% return on your really tiny investment portfolio. And I think the other thing that is important to be aware of in, in your 20s is taking an active role in managing and improving your human capital or your career. And so periodically checking in on, you know, am I on the right path? Is this the right fit for my life and my lifestyle? Taking a class to build new skills and maybe dabbling in a side hustle to experiment with a different area. And I think those actions can actually make a bigger impact to your financial situation in the long run than focusing on, oh, I picked this one stock. I got a 20% return and I only have $50 invested. <laughs> yeah, those are really good points. I, I love what you said about the career because you do want to look very carefully at your career trajectory. And also, we have learned in this pandemic that many entire sectors of our economy that should have been relatively, I mean, this was just so unexpected, the pandemic, that the idea of having a side hustle in something that uses your skills, but maybe is unrelated or wouldn't be impacted in, by the same kind of event could be really, really smart. Having just completely different skills, well, same skills, different business purposes, different ways to earn a living is a wonderful thing to have that backs up for yourself. I want to get to number four, investing is complicated. Why is that a myth? I mean, I used to believe this. Uh, there's a lot of jargon around and I just was paralyzed by what to actually do. But I think especially if you ascribe to a passive management strategy that is not trying to pick the right investment at the right time, but more so just trying to get the overall market return, it can be quite easy. And I kind of compare it to preparing a meal. And I think in both situations, you're trying to balance simplicity and efficiency. The more convenient option, it's going to be easiest for you, but it might cost a little more. And so that's like making a beeline to the prepared food section at Whole Foods or buying the target retirement fund, which is okay. And the most complex option might be the cheapest, either from a cost or tax perspective, but it's going to take more work either on an upfront or ongoing basis. That's you know going to the grocery store, buying the individual ingredients, sous chefing, and doing the dishes after. It takes your whole night up. And that might be a more complicated investment portfolio as well in terms of more funds and different accounts and you having to rebalance or manage it in a spreadsheet on an ongoing basis. And so I think for people, it could make an investment portfolio for you could be as easy as buying just one fund. And it's important to balance the simplicity and efficiency, what works best for you. Exactly. Looking in the mirror and understanding what's realistic to actually make happen. Because sometimes when we make things too complicated or too overwhelming, it just doesn't happen. I know a lot about procrastination, as my <laughs> listeners know. So, all right, those are wonderful examples of myths about money and investing. And like I said, I have nuanced reactions to them. I'm saying nuanced. I don't want to say I disagree with you. I think that all of your points were really valid. And it's it's just the beginning of a discussion. I hope that listeners hearing this will give it some thought and maybe take some action to um better themselves financially and be financial grownups. Before I let you go, tell us quickly about your book and where people can get in touch with you. Yeah. So my book is Work Your Money, Not Your Life, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold online. And the book website is workyourmoneybook.com. And my financial planning site is lifelaidout.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bobby. You guys can learn more about Roger in our show notes. I don't always mention this, 
but they're all available on our website, bobbyrebell.com, and then go to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast area. Then you can just use the search bar and put in any keyword. In this case, if you just put in Roger Ma, all of the information will come up. So you put in the name of the guest or the topic and all of the information regarding anything mentioned in the show that might be relevant to you that you want to follow up on. It's all there for you, including basically a transcript of the show. So that's also a nice way to review anything. So you don't need to take notes. You can just enjoy listening to the show. While you are there, please take a moment to get yourself a spot on the grown-up list. It is a curated list of recommendations to live a grown-up lifestyle, and it is free. I put it out about once a month, sometimes every two months during the pandemic. But I really love putting it together for you guys. And thank you, by the way, to all of you who send me nice notes when you receive it. Thank you also to Roger Ma for that thoughtful and honestly pretty relatable advice, helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.